This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. And if you're new here, I am not uh, your normal pastor, uh, but I'm excited to be here with you guys. Last time I preached was back in March. So I think we've all kind of had time to recover from, from that preaching. Um, normally, I'm up here on stage leading worship um, with these guys, and, and uh, they were awesome this morning, weren't they? I know you hear pastors all the way come up all the time, come up here and say that, and normally I'm the one leading worship, and I'm like, oh, he's just being nice, but um, they were great. I mean, it, getting to worship with you guys just gets my heart ready to receive God, and I hope you feel the same way. Um, uh, so if you've been with us, we've been walking through the book of Proverbs. Mike has been taking us through um, what God has shed on, uh, shed light into in our lives. He's talked about the scale of wisdom. You have the fool, the simple, right? The mocker, the wise, and how our goal is to kind of move up the spectrum to, to be wise, to understand what God has for us. Um, and then he, he did my favorite sermon, I think, that you've done in this, in this series has been on comparison, how we compare ourselves to others, and how that's really the enemy of what of our hearts or our Christian hearts is to be where we compare ourselves and compare where we are. And I know um, that's really easy to do in this time of life. Uh, but today we're going to stay in Proverbs. Um, so if you have your smartphones or your Bible or whatever, you can keep it in Proverbs, but I'm going to get to do something a little bit different. Um, as we've been going through this, it, it was kind of on my mind, why are we doing this? Why are we walking through Proverbs? Um, and if you're like me, you probably see a lot of Proverbs like on coffee cups Right? Like that's kind of what we think of, these little like one-offs, like these little one-liners that, oh, well, if you want to do this, do this. And, uh, but really, what we've been talking about is Proverbs and how we're trying to get to the wise, right? We're trying to have God impart onto our hearts wisdom, and how our goal is that once we have this wisdom, we want to steward that out. We want to share it with others. We want to help people along their way. And so I'm going to do something pretty fun today, um, and I get to tell you a little bit about my family. Uh, and give you a little background. I'm going to tell you some stories. We're going to talk about the Bible, and then we're going to kind of apply it to our life. And if you were here the last time I preached, um, I talked a little bit about my family. I, might, I may have cried talking about my wife, but the podcast did not record, so you can't really prove that happened. Um, and the Facebook Live cut out right at that moment, so it actually never happened. But um, I talked a little bit about my family, and, and my wife and I serve here at the river. We have two little kids, and we've kind of been here since it, I mean, before it started, right? And uh, but I want to tell you a little bit more about my family, a little bit about my extended family. Um, and it's funny because I've always said I'm kind of the black sheep of my family, which is funny because I told you all in my last sermon that I was saved when I was seven years old. And a big reason I was saved when I was seven years old was because of my parents and my grandparents and people in my life that just loved me and poured into me and shared God with me and just put me in an environment where I came to know Christ. But I say I'm the black, black sheep of the family. Let me explain why. So I have an older sister named Amanda. Amanda graduated high school, and she went to Bible college. She got to Bible college. She met my brother-in-law, Michael, who obviously graduated high school and went to Bible college. And now they're youth pastors over in Watauga. My mom graduated high school. She went to Bible college, where she met my dad, who graduated high school in Alabama, and he went to Bible college. My grandma, my, mo- my mom's mom, graduated high school. She went to Bible college. Where she met my grandfather, who went to Bible college, right? And my dad's dad graduated high school, got drafted into the Navy in World War II, went and fought in World War II, got out, was on his way to the University of Alabama, roll tide, 
No, roll tide. And then he got called to be a pastor, and he went to Bible college. And then you have me. I graduated. I went to play baseball, which was great. I have some of my teammates are here, which, which is awesome. But I did not go to Bible college. Um, and we'll kind of get into that later. But I've had this great legacy, this great heritage of people who loved God and served God. My, uh, my, so I'm going to talk about my grandparents today and, and things that they imparted on my life and, and the wisdom they shared to me. Um, my mom's parents, my grandmother and, and grandfather, are not here today because, not because they're dead, because they're not. It's because my grandmother, who's almost 90, is a pastor, and she pastors every Sunday. And I called her and said, hey, Gren, I, I would love for you to come and hear me preach. I'm your only grandson that preaches. I'd love for you to come hear me. And she said, well, I would love to make sure someone records it, because we'll watch it later. I can't miss my church. And I called my granddad, her husband. I tried, well, maybe I can talk granddad into coming, and she can just stay and preach. And he gave me the same answer. No, nope, son, I'd love to, but, but I can't. I said, I'm going to tell a lot of stories about you today. You should probably be there to hear them. Well, make sure your dad records it or somebody records it so I can watch it later. So they're awesome people. Um, my grandmother, I was talking to Ashley about this yesterday, and uh, my grandmother, who's a pastor, almost 90, has loved God and served God in a lot of, a lot of capacities. Um, she, we, we joke that she has a direct line of communication with God because she just lives such a life serving God. Um, in fact, sometime when I preach, I'll, I'll tell you about my testimony about this job hunt I went on for like 300 days. But it, during that time, I'm looking for this job, and I'm, man, I don't, I don't know, I'm not, getting any in, I'm not getting any leads, nothing. And one day my grandmother just calls me, and she's like, hey, I'm just going to pray that you get a job here. I just, I feel like I'm going to pray that you get a job here. And I was like, well, I've applied there, but I haven't heard, I mean, I applied there like two months ago, Grant, I don't think I'm going to hear anything. Well, I just feel like, God wants me to pray that, so I'm going to pray that you get a job here. And I kid you not, the next week, I get a phone call from that place for an application I put in two months before, and I was like, and I ended up getting the job, and I was like, holy cow, like, this is crazy. So grinning right now, they pastor a church in, in Grand Prairie. My, uh, my grandfather, uh, he went to Bible college, he ended up being the dean of students at the college. Um, he has a doctorate, he's a Dr. Fowler, um, and to this day, he's 91 years old, and he still works every day as a counselor at Tarrant County College. So if you guys ever go up there, give him a shout. Um, they have poured their life and resources into the church, so much so that if you went to the, the church that our, that our denomination of churches, or you went to the college that our denomination of churches is with, you would see there's one section of the college that's called the Fowler Bible Institute, and there's a big plaque with a very distinguished engraving of my grandparents on it. And it says, for dedication and service to the church. So they're amazing people. My dad's parents are just as awesome. My dad's dad uh, was actually the president of the college when my granddad was the dean of the college. So weird how all these things kind of interweave, right? He was the president of the college. Um, they went on to be missionaries to the Navajo Indians. They actually lived on the base, on the reservation, not the base, the reservation, and uh, had a church for many years. And granddad became a, a pastor and an evangelist. He traveled all across the U.S., and to this day, I will run into people who will tell me I was saved at one of your granddad's sermons, or I came to know Christ, or I, I was called to be a pastor at one of your granddad's sermons. So his legacy lives on. Both, my, my dad's parents are both in heaven now, but both, their legacy lives on now. And so I get, the, I get to have the chance to tell you guys some stories about them. And I'm going to focus on two people in that story, my granddad and my granddad, my granddad Fowler and my granddad Ragsdale, and kind of some things I saw from them and then kind of what they gave me. 
in that. So before I even start that, no show of hands, nothing for you to talk about. I want you to think, what are we passing on to people who follow us? Right? What are we passing on to our kids or, or our friends or the people who are in our inner circle? What are they getting from our lives? What are we leaving them? Right? Um, so my granddad Fowler grew up in East Texas, and that has a special place in my heart because my wife is from East Texas. Um, he grew up outside in Nacogdoches, and they were, they were poor. They were farmers. He grew up during the Great Depression. Um, but because they were farmers, it didn't hit them as hard because they could uh, kind of grow their own crops and, and self-sustain. On a side note, this is not in my sermon notes, you know if you are with someone who grew up during the Great Depression because for the longest time, I thought all of the vitamins in bread were located in the crust. Because that's what my granddad would tell me. He would make me a sandwich. My grandmother would make me a sandwich, and she'd cut off the crust because I was a little kid, and I didn't want it. And my granddad would be like, well, that's all the vitamins are. And he'd grab the crust, and he'd eat them. Coincidentally, all the vitamins are also in the peel of the apple. If you peel the apple, that's where all the vitamins are. He'd eat the, you know, and, and the cereal, you make cereal, and, and you pour the milk, and then you eat the cereal, and you have that white milk left over, which is gross. I mean, don't, don't come at me. White milk is gross. He's, that's where, and that, he's probably right in that. The vitamins are probably in the milk versus the actual cereal. But that's the way granddad, granddad knew and knows, he still knows to value things, right? So he grew up during the Great Depression, so they didn't have a whole lot of money, but they weren't hit as hard as people like in the city were. So whenever, my, uh, whenever his dad came home with a brand new lantern, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. So one night, my granddad and his older brother and I think some friends decided they were going to go frog gigging. And everybody knows what frog gigging is, right? That's a, you go shine a light in a frog's eyes and you grab it. And you cut off its legs and you put it in a pan and you cook it. That's for real. That's what people will do still to this day. So they decide to go frog gigging and, and Granddad's holding this brand new lantern because he's, in my mind, he's the youngest one. So he has the, the honor of holding the flashlight. Right? I grew up with my dad. I have to work on the car. You're the youngest. You hold the flashlight. So they get in the boat and they're going up the river. And they come to a spot where a log has fallen kind of across the river. And if you guys have ever uh, been in that situation, the only way you can get that boat over that log is to get out. Everyone gets out, they pull the boat over the log, and they all climb back in and keep going. Well, my granddad, being the one holding the light, has to get out first. So he gets out, he's got his hip boots on, his hip waders. He gets out with his lantern, he steps on that log, and as soon as he steps on that log, whoop, straight into the water. And if you've ever worn hip waders, you know that they're great, but the second they get water in them, they turn into cement shoes because they fill up with water and they take you down, like quickly. To the bottom. And my granddad, in all of his wisdom, falls in the water, and instead of reaching out for the log, or reaching out for the boat, or his brother, he said the only thing he'd think of was, man, if I drop this lantern, my brother is going to kill me. So he just straight down. And his brother said he looked when he fell in the water, and there's this big cone of light, and it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller as the down it goes. And luckily, somebody jumped in and grabbed him and pulled him back up. But he was not about to let go of that lantern. Point number one, if you're writing notes down, godly wisdom teaches us what to hold on to. Godly wisdom teaches us what to hold on to. Because sometimes in life, we hold on to things we don't need to hold on to, don't we? We hold on to a lot of things that we think are important, but they're not. And sometimes we let go of things that are, that are important, we let them go. But godly wisdom tells us the difference. Look here, Proverbs 4, 4 through 6 says this. Then he taught me, and he said to me, take hold, of my world, take, hold of, take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, 
Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. One thing her dad taught me was to ground myself in this, in the word of God, was to know that in life, this is what we hold on to. In life, these words aren't going to change. 66 books that never change. Because you're going to hear a lot of things in life, right? People are going to tell you a lot of things about what matters, about what we should hold on to, about what has value. But this is, this is what tells us what, what matters. This is what tells us what we hold on to. It's not society, because they will tell us a lot of things that matter. And there's a lot of things that don't matter that people hold on to nowadays, right? But as I was reading this and I was thinking back about my granddad, the thing that stood out most to me was we've all been forgiven of sins, right? We've, we all have a moment where God took something from us. But so often, God will take away that sin, and we will hold on to that hurt. Or we'll hold on to that regret, or we will hold on to that shame. God's taken it from us. He's, he saved us. And we say, God, you can take this sin, but I got I to hold this. I got to hold this hurt. I can't let anybody know where I've been or what I've done. This is, this is mine. I appreciate you, you changing me, but this is mine. And when we do that, just like my granddad, it will drown you. It'll take you to the bottom. It'll drown you. If you hold on to the wrong things, if we don't let God into our life to change us, and we give him what, what we think is of value, we hold on to them, but we give him what is of value, and we hold on to him and his words. If we don't do that, we'll drown. I've, I've, I've gone through it, right? I've had hurts that I'm like, God, I, I'll pray to you about it, but I'm not going to give it to you. I just want you to change it and just make me not think about it. If we don't give God the things that we're supposed to, they can drown us. Godly wisdom teaches us what to hold on to. My, my dad's dad, I call him granddaddy, my granddaddy Ragsdale, was a similar, similarly awesome man. Um, I, I mentioned that he, he grew up, and he also grew up very poor during the Great Depression. He grew up, he would say, the hills of Alabama. He grew up in Piedmont, Alabama, and they were farmers. And so they were pretty self-sustained as well. Um, he graduated high school, World War II broke out, he got drafted. Both, both my grandfathers fought in World War II. Granddaddy got drafted in the Navy. He ended up being a uh, captain of a little patrol boat in the South Pacific, which is pretty cool. I could tell you stories about that, because those were, those were cool stories. But uh, he got out, and he got called to be a pastor, so he didn't have much money, but he scraped together all he had, and he loaded up his car, and he drove to Texas to go to Bible college. On a side note, in a super weird way, like things intersect, he picked up my mom's mom on the way out of town. He, he had met her at camp meeting. He said, hey, Edna, we're going to Bible college in Texas. And my grandmother said, well, my daddy, if he comes home and hears that you're talking about taking me to Bible college, he's gonna kill, he will kill you. Literally, he will kill you. And my granddaddy, my dad's dad, said, well, that's okay. We'll come get you anyway. And the way God worked things out, he showed up, and my grandmother's father was not there, and they loaded up in the car. She left him a letter, and they took off to Texas which ironically is where she met my mom's dad, which is just so weird how things all kind of intersect. But uh, granddaddy goes to Texas. He doesn't have much money, and you may not know this, but being a pastor doesn't pay a whole lot of money. If you want to make a bunch of money, don't be a pastor. Right, Michael? Right. right. Um, so granddaddy doesn't have much money. He's, he's in Texas, um, and he had one pair of shoes. And those shoes were so worn down that you could see the bottom of his feet through his shoes. He just didn't have any money. Didn't have money for new shoes. And one day he was at chapel and God was moving on his heart and God said, you need to go pray. You need to go to the altar and pray. And granddaddy said, no, I'm not going to the altar to pray because when I go to the altar to pray, I will kneel down and people will see my shoes and they will see that I have holes in my shoes and that is too embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. And so granddad's having this kind of inner dialogue with God 
And just when that's happening, the devil does what he always does, right? He stepped up beside my granddad, and he whispered in his ear, Pastor, huh? You're going to be a pastor. You think God's going to take care of you. He can't even give you a pair of shoes to wear. And you're going to give your whole life to him. You think he's really going to sustain you for the rest of your life. And so granddaddy in that, in that altar wrestled with it. He decided to, to give his life to God. I mean, to give that time to God. Anyway, surrendered. He went down to the altar and he prayed. And when he prayed, um, he said that he felt God just tell him, when have I ever abandoned you? In all of your life, when have I ever let you down? And so he surrendered to God. And he, he went home and the next day he goes to the mail and he opens up the mail and he has a, a letter with a $10 bill in it. That was not expected. My, granddad, my, my grandparents... My great-grandparents didn't have much money. I don't, think, I don't think they sent it to them. And $10 went a long way back then. And Granddaddy went and bought two pairs of shoes. And the story is, Granddad said, I never spent another day the rest of my life without at least two pairs of shoes. Point number two, if you're writing it down, godly wisdom teaches us who to trust. Godly wisdom teaches us who to trust. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, you guys probably know this verse. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understand, own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me what to do with my life. A lot of it good intentioned, right? I think you should do this. But if we want to know what direction our life has, what God has called us to, we're going to find it here. We're going to find it in God's Word. And one of the things we always tell our guys in our, in our men's Bible group, one of the first things we talk about is, hey, you guys, you need to get people in your life you need to get a group of people around you that are going to love you and are going to pour into you life. And, and if you look in, in the Old Testament, David, King David, had a group of men he called his mighty fighting men. These were a group of guys that stayed with him all the time. When he was in exile, when he came back and became king, these guys were with him. And we always talk about in our men's group, you need to have those guys in your life because if you don't, people are going to tell you a lot of things. And if you don't have Christians or, or people who love God, and want what's best for you, truly want what's best for you, they're going to tell you bad things, things that are not what we should be doing. There's a lot of things that, that people tell us, and only the Word of God will teach us what is, what is truth. Society will teach us who Jesus is. Society will tell us who God is and what God stands for. Well, I know that the Bible says this about God, but that's not really who God is. God's really this person because times change, right? This is who God is. But the Bible doesn't change. The wisdom we get from God does not change. So only the Bible will tell us who we can trust, because if you don't believe that Satan is whispering things in your ears, then let's, let's, let's pray about that, <laughs> because he is. He is. And I used to think for a long time, like, man, God's, I mean, Satan's trying to make me slip up with God. God Satan's, I, I, I'm just going to wake up one day, and I'm going to be doing cocaine, which is, <laughs> it's not a struggle for me, so no, that's not going to happen. Never done drugs, not going to wake up tomorrow and do cocaine, right? Chances are. But... <laughs> But what Satan wants to do, and I never really get my mind wrapped around this, is he just wants me to take my eyes off Christ. He just wants to get me distracted. Because if I'm not moving towards Christ, if I'm not moving in a way that would lead my family toward the foot of the cross, then that's what he wants. And it's a lot more on, at stake now because now I'm a husband and I'm a dad. And I have little people in my life that trust me and count on me to lead them. There have been times in my life, hard times, when Satan has whispered, God's forgotten you. God's abandoned you. You're, all, you're on your own in this. This is your fault. And the Bible tells us that's not true, right? The Bible tells us that God is always with us. In fact, in one of those times, I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys sometime, but 
when I was looking for this job for a long time, I, we were talking about having good people in your life, and I called Mike, and, uh, and I, I was just talking to him. I said, man, I just, I'm just a failure. I'm just a bad dad. I'm a bad husband. You can get me to preach, I'll cry. That's, Mike never cries, so he tried to get me to preach, so we get like a little human emotion going. Um, but I said, I'm a, ba- I just, I'm a failure. You remember what you said? You probably do. And Mike said, whether you have a job or not has no bearing on what kind of dad or husband you are. Right? Godly wisdom, the Bible, good godly friends teach us who we can trust and what we should believe and what we should hear. This, uh, this story about my granddad, my mom's dad, go, go to the next story. Um, I would not believe if it did not come from my, my grandfather, if I've not heard him say this, because it sounds like a story that was like on Man vs. Wild, where Bear Grylls does something and you're like, there's no, there's, that's not going to happen in real life. But this is real. This really happened in the, in the river bottoms of East Texas. Um, I, I mentioned that my, grand, my grandfather, they, would, they, would, they grew their own crops, they would hunt to, to provide food. And he went out with his trusty hunting dog one day, and he had his um, little 22 rifle, and they were going to go squirrel hunting. And so they're walking through the woods, and they come to this, this floodplain. And if, you, if you've not, never been through the woods in the floodplain, no trees grow there. It's real wide open. At the edge of the woods is a big thicket. The dog catches scent, and he takes off into the woods, barking. And my granddad stands there, and he listens. He listens, and the dog gets further and further and further away. And right about the time he thinks, well, I should probably try to go find that dog, it turns around and starts coming back. And you hear it coming, barking the whole way. It's coming fast. He's standing there, what? And he's looking, and out, out of the woods comes this dog. And right behind it are six black hogs, one right after another. Now remember, I told you my granddad's in a floodplain. There are no trees around. He's holding a single-shot, bolt-action twenty-two rifle. That's a little bitty bullet, so probably won't kill a hog anyway. Definitely won't kill six hogs. And that dog, man's best friend, loyal, runs right at him and right by him. <laughs> and leads all six hogs on a straight line right to him. And so in that moment, Grindad looks around, the first hog comes up, and he swings the gun down and hits the hog right on the tip of the nose with the barrel of the gun. Boom! And the hog spins around in a circle and takes off where it came from. And the next one came. Wham! Spin back. And then the next one. And then the next one. And then the next one. He does this six times. Hits every hog square in the... It doesn't even sound real, does it? Hits every, every hog square in the nose. Every hog spins around and runs back where it came from until no hogs are left. And then he turns and he goes and gets that great dog. He has to go find that dog. Godly wisdom, point number three. Godly wisdom teaches us how to fight. Godly wisdom teaches us how to fight. Proverbs 23.12 says this. Apply your heart to instruction in your ears to words of knowledge. Every single day, we are fighting. We are in a battle. Do you realize that? Every single day, there is a war for you to fight. And I remember the first time I heard that, I was a kid, and it sounded like this fake, cool thing that Christians say, oh, we got a battle. But no, it's real. And the older I get, the more I realize how true that is. That every single day, before your feet hit the ground, Satan is waging a war on your heart. And if it's not on your heart, then it's on the hearts of those that are in your sphere of influence, your wife, your kids. There is a war to fight. Addiction, temptation. Husbands, there's a war to fight for your wife. There's a war to fight for your wife. We should be getting up and fighting for her, praying for her, pouring ourselves into her, knowing her. I can't talk too much about my wife, I'll cry again. Knowing her, right? Standing in the gap for her. Parents, there's a war to fight for your kids. 
We should go to bed tired every night. And our kids make us very tired, don't they, Ashley? We should go to bed tired every night. We should pray over them. We should bring them places like this where they get in interaction with other Christians and, and, they, and they get to learn about God for, for 30 minutes. We should talk to them about Jesus. And when they get older, we should know who their friends are. We should look at their phone and be nosy because we should protect them when they don't want us to protect them. Because who's going pro- to protect their hearts if we don't? Right? Christian, you should be fighting for your walk with God. I had a guy I played uh, college baseball with and he'd, he'd always say, uh, and he was super good. So when he said this, it meant something. He'd always say, Rags, did you get better today? And when he first asked me, I was like, I, I don't know, Jeremy, I'm probably about the same as I was when I got here. And he'd say, nope, you're either better or you're worse. There's no same. And I always thought that's, that's true of our walk with God. Every day, either we're moving in a direction to follow Christ or we're going backwards. And we have to fight for our relationship with God. You got to work at it. You got to read the Bible. We got to get involved in community groups. We got we to work at it. Because like I said, if you don't, all the devil wants is for you to not pay attention. Get your eyes off Christ. The New Testament says we should work out our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Why? Should we be scared of God? Going to send me to hell. No, I don't think so. But we should value grace. We should value redemption. We should value the sacrifice God made. There's a quote, um, and I couldn't find the author. We'll just say author unknown. Y'all can figure out who this is and comment on the podcast or something, but... There's one of my favorite quotes says this, he who does not desire to know more of God knows nothing of him. If you love God, we should be fighting for our relationship. We should be taking steps to follow God, to get closer to him. Last story I'm going to tell you literally changed my life. All these were great stories, but this is one that changed out the direction of my life. Um, My granddaddy, my dad's dad, uh, after my grandmother passed away, he moved down to, to Texas, and he kind of had this great, like, celebrity lifestyle where he'd live a couple weeks with us, and he'd go live a couple weeks with my uncle, and he'd go with my aunt, and he just kind of, you know, like a free-range, like a little hippie, driving around, <laughs> hanging out with all of his family, right? And one of these days, my senior year, he comes and he's staying with us, and uh, I was a 17-year-old who, this is in the spring of my senior year, and I had so much anxiety on my heart. Because for a long time, I was like, well, I don't know what I'll do with my life, but I got time. I got time. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I got time. Well, here comes spring, and I don't have as much time. I'm, I'm buying my cap and gown, and I don't know where I want to go to college. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And it's, it's, it's problematic being the grandchild of these, these two great men, these great grandparents, because guess what everybody told me when I would see them? Hey, you're supposed to be a pastor, just like your granddad. I mean, from the time I was a little kid, hey, you know, God's called you to be a pastor. Whoa. All right. Cool. And it got worse as I got older, because as I got older, I started getting really into music and leading worship. And I'd go to these church camps and I'd lead worship, or I'd go to these disciple nows, or I'd go to these church retreats. And these people would be like, hey, I knew your granddad. I came to know Christ at one of your granddad's sermons. God's called you to be a pastor too. That's a lot of pressure on a kid, because I did not hear that calling. And I started to think, Maybe I, maybe I missed the call. Maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe God did call me to be a pastor, and I just missed it. So now here I am, fast forward, I'm 17, about to graduate. Everybody in my family has gone to Bible college, and I just want to play college baseball. I don't know what I want to do. I just want to play college baseball. And so I'm, I'm, I remember we had this graduation ceremony at our church, and I'm like, that just made me like a nervous wreck, because I'm like, everybody's, oh, what are you going to do? 
I don't know. I don't know. Stop asking me. And one day, it's, it keeps weighing on my heart. So one day, I finally come downstairs. One morning, my parents were already gone to work, and uh, it's just me and Granddad. And he's sitting at the table with his McDonald's cup of coffee, which he got every morning, and his Bible, and his newspaper. And he's like, hey, son. And I come down there, and I, I just, I had tears in my eyes. And I was like, Granddad, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm so scared, I'm going to screw it up. I'm so scared, I'm going to screw this up. And I told him, everybody tells me I should be a pastor like you. Everybody tells me I should be a pastor like you. So if you tell me to be a pastor, Granddad, if you tell me, yeah, I think that's what God's called you to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give up this baseball thing, and I'm just going to go to Bible college, and I'll be a pastor, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not going to go begrudgingly. Like, if you tell me that's the thing, I'm going to go do it. And the moment that changed my life, my granddad, all five foot four of him, wrapped his arm around me, and he said, son, I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that all of us are called to be pastors, but not all of us stand on a stage to preach. Changed my life. Changed my life. Because looking back, I think granddad probably had a lot riding on that. I mean, it would have been cool for his grandson, with his same last name, to carry on preaching. I think that would have been a cool thing for my granddad. And I was, I mean, I'm telling you, if he said, yeah, but I think that you should be a pastor, I was going, going to Mississippi. Here we go. Me and Mike are going to go to college together. We're going to be pastors. All of us are called to be pastors, but not all of us stand on the stage to do it. Ironically enough, here I am preaching to you today. So kind of funny, right? The last one I have for you, godly wisdom teaches us how to lead. Godly wisdom teaches us how to lead. Proverbs 10.21 says this, the lips of the righteous feed many. The lips of the righteous feed many. You know, as, we, as we move down the spectrum of wisdom, from the simple to the, to, the, to the fool, to the mocker, to the wise, it's really easy for us to go, oh, well, I know what you should do. God's, God's enlightened me. I should, this is what God wants for you. And there are some things we can say with that, right? There are some things we can say, hey, God wants you to live a life of fullness and not a life of bondage to sin, not a life of brokenness. God wants you to live life, as he says, I came to bring you freedom. God, God wants you to live free from your sin and guilt. Right? We can say that kind of stuff. We, what we shouldn't do is, hey, God, God's calling you to be a pastor, bud. You should go be a pastor, unless God really has told you that, and then you two have a conversation about it, right? But as we move down the scale of wisdom, our job is not to, to force someone into something. Why are, we do, why are we walking through Proverbs? What have we been doing this for? It's because our hope as a church is that as God reveals these things to us and shows us his wisdom, that we would take these things and give it out, that we would help lead others, and that we would share this wisdom in a way that people would come to know Christ, the real, risen Jesus Christ. Ashley and I went to Seattle a couple weeks ago for her 30th birthday, um, which was a blast. Uh, I was talking to somebody this morning, and I was saying, oh, the weather is great. And they're like, well, it's because it's summertime, so it's great. It's usually rainy and cold. But it was great. We had a great time. Um, and on the way up there, it's about a four-hour flight from Texas to Seattle. And the plane on the ride up there had movies that you could watch. And there's a movie called Free Solo. And if you've ever heard of it, it's a, it's a um, National Geographic documentary about Alex Honnold and his quest be to become the first person to ever free solo up El Capitan Mountain in Yellowstone Park. There's a lot of words I said in that. You probably don't know what those are. Free solo is when you climb, when you rock climb with no, no ropes. So you're literally spider manning up this wall, no ropes, 
nothing. If you slip, that's it. I mean, you're gone. And El Capitan, if you have a MacBook, you've probably seen El Capitan because on the MacBook, they did a software update. And I just know this because I have a MacBook. And it was called El Capitan. And when you updated it, it put this, this picture of this mountain on your background. And the mountain's this sheer rock. I mean, it looks like it's just straight up. And that's what he climbed. Spoiler alert, he climbs it. He survives, right? But he climbed, he climbed um, El Capitan. It's, oh, it's almost 3,000 feet high. 3,000 feet without a rope in one go. I think it took him like eight hours to go up it. And he said, he said in the thing, he's like, well, I got to start in, at like 5 a.m. when it's still dark because otherwise the rock gets so hot I can't put my hands on it. It's just crazy, crazy. And he went up it three times. He went up halfway up the first time and said, nope, don't feel right about it, and came down. Went up again, nope, 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 and then went up finally the last time, and he ends up climbing it. An incredible story. The documentary is incredibly uncomfortable if you're scared of heights, because I was watching it like, oh my gosh, you know, all. But Ashley and I were watching it, and he's this, this freak athlete, this amazing human, superhuman. And what I took away from it, after all that, what I took away from it was this relationship he has with his parents. And you see him go to his, you see him go to his parents, he goes to his, his, uh, his mom, his dad's passed away. He goes to his mom and he says, yeah, I don't remember my parents really ever hugging me. I don't remember them ever telling me they love me. In fact, his mom was a French teacher and she only spoke to her kids in French. He said her favorite phrase was, he said some French phrase, but basically it was, that's not enough. That was the phrase that she would say to him. Hey, look, mom, I got an A. That's not enough. And I'm sure in her mind, that was motivation. Well, now you have a son who's trying to conquer these things that are like could kill him because nothing he's ever done has been enough. And I'm watching that with Ashley and I'm like, what an awful parent. And, that, and that's, <laughs> I'm just watching that. Like you never tell your kids you love them. You never, like, I don't want that. I want my legacy with my kids to be that, that they couldn't do anything that didn't have my love. They could screw up and I was going to love them the exact same regardless. The godly wisdom teaches us how to lead. It teaches us how to love. We should love those people that are around us. We should lead them in a way that leads them to the cross with freedom, not that we put, push them down and try to fit them into a box. God has called us to take what he's given us, to take the knowledge, our experiences, and to share them, to steward them out, and to help, to take people along who need help, who need to know how to be a husband, to take them under our wing and say, hey, here's how a husband loves their wife who need help being a parent because they're so run down. Hey, let me watch your kids and then let's, let's go out and get coffee sometime. Godly wisdom teaches us how to love and how to lead in a way that brings people freedom. And so maybe today I've been talking about these, these incredible men and women of God in my family. And I wanna challenge you that if I've said something to you today that hits home and you're sitting there listening and you're just getting these memories flooding back, thinking about stuff that you were taught, then I just wanna encourage you to just write that down and so you don't forget it and tell the person that that you're thinking of about that call them this week or text them and say hey I just I want to let you know that I you did this in my life and I it, it changed me it let me see Jesus a little better and let them know that or maybe I'm talking about these things and you're thinking I I can't talk about the things that my parents passed on to me they passed nothing on to me but brokenness and despair. I didn't know I had any value because of them until I came to know Jesus. Well, if that's your case, then I want you to know that Jesus sees you, that God sees that brokenness. 
and that God lovingly calls you to change it. He still calls you to bring life to those that follow you, to be the difference. Didn't matter if your parents knew Jesus or not, you can be the one that two, three generations later, someone staying up on stage talking about how my great-grandmother loved Jesus and taught us about who Jesus was. That's why we're doing this, guys. We're, we're going through Proverbs so that we learn who Jesus is. We learn about God and his love and his plan for our life. And then we steward that out to those that follow us. How are you? Are y'all encouraged today? Are y'all challenged? God's got big plans for you. Regardless of, of, of how you got here, what happened on the way here, what happened before now. God's got big plans for you and he calls you to be a difference in the life of your family, to be a difference in the life of those people that you work with, that's in your sphere of influence. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're thankful for who you are today, Father. We're, we're, we're thankful that you, you show us wisdom, you give us wisdom, God, in the lives of people around us. And that, and that our call is to take that wisdom. It's our, our duty and our responsibility to stand in the gap, to share that wisdom, God, to share your knowledge and your love and to lead people to who you are. God, we want to do that. We want to do it well. We want to lead people to your cross. So, Father, I pray that right now in this space that you'd give us boldness, that, God, you would, you would give us courage, that we would look back on the memories and the wisdom that you've given us with thankfulness and that we would share. The Bible says that, that we are just trying to give a cold drink in your name. And God, I pray that we would give that drink out. That as we go and see families tomorrow, as we, as we have this day off to be with our immediate family, that God, we would, we would share your love, God. That we would live a life in a way that would impact not just this generation, but generation after generation after generation. God, we, we love you and we need you. So Father, please come be real in our lives. Change us, God. Pray this in your name, God. Amen.